Um, yeah, well, <laughs> sorry. Let's try that again. There's going to be a lot of editing of yeah, this episode. Yeah, no kidding. This could be rough. Uh, okay, sorry. Where was I? Uh, you, what did you ask me again? How are you doing? Oh. <laughs> it's been a long couple of weeks. Welcome to the Geek in Review, the podcast focused on innovative and creative ideas in the legal industry. I'm Marlene Gaybauer. And I'm Greg Lambert. We talk about startups and product launches with a couple of friends of ours on this episode. Ryan McLeod from Sente Advisors and Nicole Braddock of Theory and Principle come on the show and talk about their experiences running a startup, when Nicole being a three-time startup champ, and how it doesn't necessarily need to be a situation where you need to be rich or live like a pauper to be a startup entrepreneur. Yeah, I think there's some uh, comments about whether ramen and socks are are <laughs> kind of required for, for being a startup entrepreneur. No, no, no socks so. needed. No socks needed. <laughs> well, they also come on to talk more about their collaboration on the launch of the new data visualization tool, Map Engine, yeah. and how they came up with the idea and filled a need in the industry. Yeah, very exciting stuff. I think everybody will be interested in hearing it, that hearing about that. So stick around, but now let's get to this week's Information Inspirations. All right, Marlene. Well, mine is, and I think we we both have a Bloomberg Law uh, we do. Uh, inspiration this week, which is interesting. Bloomberg's but hot. mine is on Bloomberg developing this diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI, framework with the objective to create a baseline threshold for, of diversity among U.S.-based law firms and to show how these firms are, are meeting the DEI requirement. According to the announcement, Bloomberg is developing a methodology to create this framework by working with experts in both the legal industry and the academic experts. So uh, it's going to be really interesting. I initially thought that this Bloomberg framework was going to be something that they were trying to compete with the Mansfield rule, but after looking at the survey questions, it seems to be compiling different data and statistics from from the firms from what the Mansfield uh, uh, group is doing. And I will say that the the data that they are asking firms to submit is comprehensive, and and by comprehensive. I mean, it's going to take a lot of work on the firm side to complete and submit this questionnaire. It's it's thick. The survey is open through August, and if you're thinking of putting your law firm in on this DEI framework, I'd suggest getting started now. Because it's <laughs> thick. It's thick. So, it's thick. Thick you know, is good. But, uh, thick is good. I, but I do, I do appreciate that they're doing this because, as the old saying it goes, if you don't measure it, you can't improve it. So I'm glad that Bloomberg is putting its substantial resources behind this new DEI framework project. And, and I hope we can get maybe somebody from Bloomberg on the show to talk more about this. Yeah, hint, hint, Bloomberg. I discussed non-equity partners in my inspirations last week, and I'm going to do it again this week. Our friend Steve Embry reached out to me and shared a piece that he did on his blog, Tech Law Crossroads, about non-equity partners and changing law firm culture. Now, Steve highlights that a recent analysis of data collected by ALM Intelligence shows that 81 of the 151 firms surveyed, well over half, the membership in non-equity partnership tiers grew in 2020. 51 saw a growth of more than 5% in the non-equity level. Mm. And this trend was particularly pronounced among AMLAW50. 
Now, Steve notes that this move to fewer owners and a more corporate model has its risks. Namely, there may be fewer voices and viewpoints being shared. Why? Well, the majority of the top performer equity partners are white males. I'm, I'm shocked. What? You're shocked. Oh, I see. It's your shock, your shocked face. (laughs) Having a smaller group of owners with a similar experience and background and worldviews may lead to poor decision-making. Steve also notes that firm loyalty and lawyer autonomy could be impacted. Now I agree on the diversity point and, you know, honestly, I agree on the other points, although I think on those we've, we've already been seeing those things eroding for a while. You know, there's, there's no law firm culture in place anywhere that I know of that are going to keep most attorneys from jumping ship for a better opportunity. And technology, best practices, risk management policies, you know, they've all done a pretty good job at curbing autonomy. (laughs) Maybe not not in a bad way, but maybe in a good way. You know, and as I mentioned last week, firms really need to take a hard look at their non-equity programs to ensure they aren't detrimentally impacting the organization. Speaking of of culture, we're going to uh, get this transition from remote working (laughs) to coming back on site. And I'm going to tell you right now, the transition to remote working last year is going to look like a freaking cakewalk compared (laughs) to what law firms have in store for them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Because they're already starting to demand that everyone come back into the office. And one area that it's going to be most apparent will be in recruitment and retention of talent. And the Association of Legal Administrators just released a white paper on this topic called Remote Working as an Effective Recruitment and Retention Tool for Law Firms Post-COVID-19. So Marlene, do you do you remember when we did the episode on remote work way before the pandemic and and yeah. that theme? You remember the theme was, mm-hmm. well, I can work remotely very well and be efficient, yes. but you know, all those other people can't be trusted. <laughs> so nah, not I, at all. I think we're all beginning to hear that theme again when it comes to who can continue to work remotely and who has to come back into the office. So mm-hmm. you know. And I, and I think law firms who balance, uh, you know, that find that balance, you know, those are going to be the winners of the next couple of years. But I can see that many firms are going to struggle with this and, and suffer the consequences if they become too draconian on getting people back into the office. So this uh, ALA white paper stresses that flexibility on remote work, both for attorneys and for staff, is going to be critical to obtaining and retaining talent. And that flexibility ultimately benefits the firm as much or even more than it does the employees. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I talked to a colleague and she was mentioning that uh, um, she knew two people who have taken new jobs because they offer 100% remote and their existing places did not. And they just did not want to go back to the office. And it's the same type of work. Well, Greg, you got your face palm emoji ready? There. Did you hear that? <laughs> I really hope they heard that. Because <laughs> this, this, this one is for the books. Um, so we hear time and time again from our guests, and we see over and over in surveys year after year that clients favor multidisciplinary teams, that they result in better decision-making, and they result in better client service. Yet, the message just does not seem to be getting through to attorneys. In the latest Bloomberg Law Legal Operations Survey, 82% of the respondents believe that MDTs 
can be made up of only lawyers. I'm pausing intentionally. I just want it all to sink in. Is this is this where I do my face palm again? Yep. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Okay. So many of the respondents justify lawyer-only MTDs through reasoning that lawyers in different practice areas at different seniority levels or from other firms can make a team multidisciplinary. All right. Fair. Okay. That That's true. You can bring all of those types of folks in. But I think next year, Bloomberg Law should make definitions very clear because that definition of multidisciplinary is not the common one. Right. A traditional composition of an MDT usually includes a group with diverse professional backgrounds and skills working together to solve a problem. So people with different skills who offer diverse perspectives on business solutions like project management and technology are working with legal experts to solve client or internal problems. Now, respondents did note several purposes for MDTs, strategic planning, process improvement, technology vetting, marketing, and spending. Yet, many seem to think that the professionals who actually handle that sort of work for their firms day in and day out won't have any valuable contributions to the conversation. The Bloomberg article offers some suggestions, but they're pretty obvious, and I just am so disheartened I don't want to even go into them, Greg. <laughs> I, I just I just I feel like so many are still missing the clear message and not adjusting to it. Yeah, well, I, and I think one of the things, maybe maybe the the parallel that that we could use is it's like a, the old game of uh, telephone where mm-hmm. you know you you whisper something in somebody's ear and then it goes around and then comes back to you and and it's the same thing in, instead of having the experts in the room to talk about the technology to talk about the project management to talk about the process improvement they are being told later by whoever was in the room okay here's what the client wants and, and you're playing that game of telephone. Is that really what the client wants? What if I have follow-up questions for that? And I've seen some firms who are much more at ease of getting people who are not the the practicing attorneys for the firm, not you know in the room with them, in order to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And it just you know it it just makes, makes things go a lot smoother. And yeah, it makes a difference. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and with that face palm, that wraps up this week's information inspirations. Two of our favorite people join us today to talk about their lives running a startup. And in one of their cases, they are on startup venture number three. These two separate companies have come together to fill a need in the industry when it comes to providing data visualization in a way that helps law firms tell the story behind the information they've compiled. We'd like to welcome Nicole Braddock from Theory and Principle and Ryan McLeod from Sente Advisors. Nicole and Ryan, thanks for coming on the Geek and Review. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Ooh, jinxies. Well, the first question, and it's about how startups, well, startup. This came up on Twitter about a week or so ago. Kristen Hodgins was asking how people manage to begin a startup without going into debt 
or being a trust fund baby. And, you know, by the way, that's my stretch career right there. Uh, <laughs> lots, lots of people commiserated, but Nicole, you had a really different experience. Um, you've done this a few times and didn't go into debt and didn't have a trust fund. And Ryan, I don't think you did either. <laughs> so tell us how you did it and what people who are thinking of taking the plunge should know. Who's taking that one? Am I taking that one? You both you're taking, taking you've, that one. You've done it. You've done it twice, Nicole. Nicole twice, will go first. I've done it three times. Three times. Yeah, I think that the startup story of somebody living in their basement on living on ramen and not being able to afford socks is uh, is a tale that that is that happens for sure. But I think it's a tale that doesn't need to happen, and I think it serves only to dissuade people who might be interested in becoming entrepreneurs who are not willing to not be able to buy socks. And for me, I, you know, when I started my first company, I started it while I was practicing law. So I had income. At one point, I dropped down to part-time because I started to get revenue from my company. And then I left the practice of law when I had revenue to sustain life. Uh, and, you know, similar, similar path with my last couple of companies um, so every step that I've taken in my career has been a risk, but it's been a very moderate risk as compared to somebody who just dives all in and takes a second mortgage on their house. Um, and, I, and I will say that my companies have all been mostly service businesses, which is quite a bit easier to, to bootstrap and to do so without draining your bank account. But I think even for SaaS companies, there's opportunity to... Think more carefully about creating your MVP. Think more carefully about uh, your fundraising strategy. And so that you never really have to get to that point where you are you have to be extra human. And I think that sort of extra human myth is where I think we dissuade a lot of people who who may otherwise want to start companies. And, and Ryan, before we get to you, I, I will say that I did see the Oscars last night and people may not even need to wear socks anymore. Oh, is that right? Oh, good news. <laughs> All right, I'm taking mine off right now. <laughs> Except I have I have a song from elementary school called Black Socks that I sing to my children all the time to bother them. Well, well so now I you have to sing it for still us. Still want to do that? Yeah. That could be the outro um, music. Yes. <laughs> uh, as for me, uh, I'll, I'll agree with uh, Nicole. Um, starting a services business, uh, I think, is easier. You don't need as much capital to get going. That said, I left my job uh, and didn't take any income for six months. Uh, lived off of savings. Uh, racked up some credit card debt. So that that's a normal part of that, I think. But uh, thankfully, did not have to uh, sustain that for very long. And, uh, you know, January 1st paid off the last of that credit card debt. So it's not been not been an, an issue for us. Well, good. Well, we brought you on to talk about your collaboration um, on the Map Engine. But before that, uh, Nicole, do you mind just uh, telling me about your mission there at uh, Theory and Principle? Certainly. Our official mission is to improve the legal experience for all through thoughtfully designed digital products. As a company, we're, we're essentially an agency that serves the, the broad legal community. So, so we work with large law firms and nonprofits and legal tech companies on the design and development of software. We are an end-to-end -end provider and are really focused on bringing good design into the legal industry where design has been noticeably lacking. <laughs> yes, we, we've noticed that. <laughs> Commented on that a couple of times. <laughs> and, and Ryan, we had you on the podcast back in December of 2018, believe it or not, 
when you had first launched Sente Advisors. How have things progressed since then? Uh, it's been great. Well, he's paid off his credit he's card. He's paid off his debt, credit card. So paid off my credit card. That's a win. <laughs> Yay. We're doing great. Uh, Sente Advisors is going strong. Uh, I was going to make a joke that uh, we actually needed to pivot to this map thing to figure out. And the reality is, no, we've got great clients. We've got great projects. Uh, everything's going very well. And uh, this was an opportunity that we were excited about. Uh, it wasn't necessarily something that we planned from the beginning, uh, but we, we recognized that we had an opportunity to identify needs in the market, given specifically the kind of work that we do. So how did this uh, collaboration come about? I, kn I know you guys know each other way back, but uh, what, how did the idea spring? Well, we've known each other for, for many years now and never really had an opportunity to work together. Part of what Senta Advisors does is uh, technology evaluation for our clients. So they come to us with a problem. We'll look at what are the tools that are in the market that they could use to solve this problem. And we had a couple of clients that came to us with the need to map jurisdictional information specifically around COVID, primarily uh, last summer. And we went out and looked at the tools that are available. And there's a number of tools available, but neither of those clients wanted to move forward with any of the available tools. They were all too expensive or they were too difficult to use. They involved coding or uh, they just weren't well suited either from a security standpoint, or uh, uh, they were, I, I know it's, it's an odd thing to think, but many map programs are actually geographic and not jurisdictional in nature. So uh, it, not terribly useful in a legal context. So when we recognized that none of these tools fit the bill for our clients, it wasn't something that we were going to go out and do, but we wanted to work with uh, the best in the business. Uh, so went to Nicole and pitched the idea and said, I think there's something here. Are you interested? And Nicole, I, I take it since there's a product now, you were interested. <laughs> no, what, what, no, what we, we weren't interested. We yeah. screaming. She had no choice. This is all, it's all under <laughs> duress. Um, <laughs> yeah. So as, uh, you know, as an, as a product development agency, product is our specialty, right? We know how to take problems and turn them into really usable solutions. That's what we do really well. And Ryan was very close to the problem, having worked with the clients. Um, and so for us, it was somewhat of a no-brainer because we've we've wanted to bring start bringing out some point solutions to market. We had a partner who would handle things other than product. And so we can focus on what we really do well, which is product. We spent a good amount of time talking to Sunday's clients and designing and building the products. And I think we've developed and brought to market a solution that clients are really excited about. Agreed. So we're really big fans of data visualization here. And I would like you guys to explain what it is that Map Engine does that helps the data tell the story. Yeah, so it's it's a great question. And it's it's funny because I've been spending the last couple of months digging through primarily law firm websites looking for information and data that I could use uh, to test the tool. And one of the things I've discovered is there's a lot of data out there in various forms, uh, but there's, there's one universal problem almost every law firm makes. It's that they put the data out 
in a table or in a, a, a flat format without telling a story. <laughs> they will give you a large table of information, maybe with a headline, but then you have to dig through that data to figure out what, how does the headline relate to what I'm looking at. You know, it's like someone saying there's this little girl with a red hood and she's got a basket and she's got a grandmother and, and the grandmother's in the woods and there's a wolf. And then someone comes along and writes a headline, wolves are dangerous. <laughs> and, okay, and now I got to go figure out how all of this fits together. I think one of the things that Map Engine is going to allow firms to do is take that data and say, okay, what is relevant here? What is it we want to highlight and illustrate for our clients? And then what is the bit of data that we can use to, uh, to make that story obvious at a glance? Uh, so I've been doing it a lot recently uh, where I will go through and try to figure out what's, what are all the different stories I can possibly tell with this information. Uh, at the very least, I think it'll be useful as we're working with uh, our map engine clients to help them figure that out for themselves. But also it's helping me and us understand what other features and functions and capabilities we want to build into the tool so that they can more easily tell the stories they want to with the data that they've got. Yeah, and I think one of the, the examples that I can think of, and I see this time after time when I go to law firms, because a lot of times we'll, we'll go look to see what, what other law firms have done before we jump into a project. So, you know, why, why reinvent the wheel if, uh, you know, some other law firm has already going to provide us the answer. But most of the time the data is, I, it's not even in an, in an Excel format where you can read it. It's usually a, PDF, a flat a PDF. You know, and, and one of the things with data visualization tools, rather than just printing it out in a, in a PDF, is that that can be a big challenge. I've, I've had a lot of extremely intelligent people uh, walk away from me if I were to say, hey, can, we, can you just put this in a pivot table and, and do that? <laughs> um, you know, and that's fairly basic. So it, if I'm using the tool, do I need to be a data scientist in order to really tell that story? No, you definitely do not. No, I think it's it's more, uh, in fact, I mean, pivot table, we're not doing anything remotely that complex in Excel. <laughs> it's it's basically fill in the table, upload the table to Map Engine, and yeah. you get your map. You don't need to have uh, great Excel skills. Pretty basic skills will, will get you by. You do need to have the ability to look through your data and identify what that story is that you want to tell uh, or recognize that maybe you gathered the wrong data. <laughs> you need to get the right data in order to tell the story that you want to tell. You have to know what data to use. Right, exactly. And we opted to, instead of building out a UI for the law firms to input that jurisdictional data, we opted to start with an Excel upload because that's where law firms are comfortable and happy. Uh, and for law firms who aren't as comfortable, we actually have a Excel template that they can download that has all the fields laid out um, and explains things pretty easily so that it, it really is not rocket science. Okay, so we're, we're just sort of touching on this now, but what are, what are some examples of Map Engine outputs? <laughs> uh, so... There's, there's a number of them I've, as I've been building them out. 
Uh, let me just read through uh, some that I've got here. Obviously, the COVID-19 shutdown and open up information is big. Telemedicine regulations, pay equity protections, vaccine exemptions, cannabis decriminalization, uh, and there's a lot of them. It really is anything that is multi-jurisdictional and you're going to have variation from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. I think you can, you can tell an, an intriguing story uh, with that data in uh, a map form. I think the other thing that's, uh, that goes back to something that Greg was saying uh, about the PDF with the uh, voluminous information, that work doesn't go away, right? The map doesn't replace that, it enhances that, right? That is, that is still useful if someone wants to do a deeper dive, but where I've seen it be most successful is when you combine a visualization that tells a story or maybe multiple visualizations to tell different stories within the same content and then link through to that content so people can drill down into it and get to the, the more in-depth conversation and, and information that you've, you've written. And slightly more technical detail on the output of the product. Uh, we, when you generate a product, which takes truly like 20 seconds, uh, when you generate a map, you are able, you get a unique link for that, which can be password protected. So you can use it like internally, you can use it externally for clients. But then we also provide the code snippet for an iframe if they want to embed it in something because law firms love iframes. Uh, and so there's sort of multiple ways to, to share the data. And, you know, some data you might want to keep internally, some data you might want to have just for one client and not for another client. And so this sort of allows a lot of that gating. One of the things that I've, I've uh, been struggling with as I've been going through all the firms' uh, websites looking for this data is uh, the firms that have been giving me data, it's often data that is intended for an individual client. It's not something they're going to put on their website. Uh, and usually it's not, it's not all 50 states, you know, it's not just 50 state surveys. It's specific to a client that has offices in certain states uh, and they need to keep up with, uh, with regulations in those states specifically. And, and is the product a cloud-based product or is it something that the firm would need to have their IT involved in to, to install in their network? It's all cloud-based. It's hosted on AWS. Yeah, it's, it's very easy to log in. It doesn't require IT support. Uh, it doesn't require much in the way of support from us, to be frank. The demonstration that we do is, you know, five minutes if it's a long demo uh, and then, you know, even if we have a 30-minute call set up, we've got plenty of time for conversation about how people would want to use it and what they could do. Learning to use it is not difficult. Who are the people or the, the types of either firms or individuals who are using Map Engine, and, and who are you pitching the style of visualization to? So we primarily work, uh, Senta Advisors works with, knowledge management and the innovation teams at large law firms. And that was sort of our, our first audience. That's who we expected to see at first uh, to, to start pitching it to. But I've seen a lot of interest from marketing. Firms want to use it. 
both in terms of sharing what the firm does in different jurisdictions with their clients, uh, but also using it internally for various things. Yeah, I was wondering if the marketing team had gotten a hold of this yet. It seems seems yeah, right. We've also had some interest from from nonprofits who have different use cases as well. Yeah, I think there's I think there is a market beyond legal. Um, I hope there's a market beyond legal. Um, <laughs> uh, I hope there's life beyond legal. <laughs> Amen. Heresy. You, you and me both. You and me both. Um, but, but you know, this was very specifically a problem that we saw that that firms uh, and and legal organizations had. Uh, so we set out first to solve their problem, and you know, the hope is we will meet with other people in other industries that have a similar type of problem, and hopefully, we can solve that as well. I, I have had calls and emails from other industries. A couple of uh, alcohol <laughs> companies have called, uh, very interested in using maps to uh, make sure people uh, within their companies know what what is allowed and isn't allowed in different jurisdictions. Very interesting. All right. So again, you know, we're talking about some some potential opportunities uh, outside legal. So um, what's next for both Map Engine and your individual companies? In, in our near future pipeline, we want to add uh, maps of other jurisdictions, other regions, so Canadian provinces, European countries, and thinking about things like federal district courts, U.S. federal district courts and federal circuit courts. We are sort of relying on feedback from our users to tell us sort of how what we should be focusing on feature-wise for the the product in the near future. We have a number of requests that we're going to be sort of chipping through based on a priority basis and how important it is for, for the users. Continuing to improve the product, expand the product, expand the offering, as well as gaining new clients uh, from App Engine. I don't know if, Ryan, you want to add anything to that before I talk about yeah, the well, principle. So I think one of the things that we've discovered through our, our beta test and through uh, a lot of the work that, that I've been doing is that telling that story sometimes requires multiple maps. So we've got a number of users asking for ways, different ways to group their maps or combine their maps or share their maps as a suite uh, so finding, figuring out how we can do that, how we can use the mapping tool to tell different stories with data, I think is going to be going to be core as we move forward. So Nicole, what about uh, theory and principle? Yeah, we are continuing to expand our footprint in both U.S. and Europe. Uh, we are working with more and more large law firm clients, and we also do a lot of work in the sort of justice sector as well. So uh, continued expansion on those fronts. We also have a couple of other point solutions that we are contemplating bringing out to market uh, in the next year or two. Seeing how it goes with Map Engine is sort of our first foray into bringing a product to market. And, and if all goes well, then we'll look it up for other opportunities. And, and Ryan, what about uh, for Sente Advisors? Sente Advisors. Well, uh, we're continuing to uh, to run our consultancy even as we uh, spin up uh, Map Engine. Map Engine is going to be a big part of our immediate future. As Nicole said, they're doing the product side of things, and we're focusing on the business. 
uh, in terms of uh, running subscriptions and billing and sales and all of that. So, uh, so that is going to be a big part of what Sente is doing. But we are looking to expand. Uh, we've still got uh, a number of clients. We've got a number of new clients coming on. So uh, I think there will likely be some additional Sente advisors in the near future. Um, and how exactly that's going to work, I'm not sure. Uh, but I might also need some Senta advisors to help me with Map Engine. <laughs> so looking forward to <laughs> new opportunities. And, and real quick, how can someone take a look at Map Engine? Is there a website they can go to? Yeah, yep. they can go to mapengine.io or they can also email info at mapengine.io for a demo. Well, Nicole Braddock of uh, Theory and Principle and Ryan McLeod of Sente Advisors, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank, Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. Well, it was good to have both of them on, on the show. Um, I think one of the things we didn't cover was uh, I think both of you and I kind of volunteered to uh, test some things out with Ryan when they were just in the initial stages uh, of this. And uh, so to see it progress over, over the time has been kind of kind of fun to watch. Yeah, it was very rewarding to see this product grow from basically an idea into sort of a full-fledged, you know, fully operational product. Yeah. And it seems yeah. that, that there's a lot of interest. And I got to say, you know, they were talking about, well, this is where we're, we're focusing first, but there's just so many applications for this. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, okay, government, education, like just so many. Yeah, and the, the simplicity of it, having you and I both had worked on entering data into it, and it's fairly straightforward. And, and so I was joking about the, the pivot tables, but um, <laughs> it's it's really fairly simple of just filling out the form and, and all of a it's sudden you've you got a, you know, a, a heat map of 50-state yep. survey or tobacco laws or marijuana mm -hmm. laws or what, whatever. So it's, it's really kind of cool to see it from through the whole process. And I like that they're doing the templates too, because I mean, you're right. Like, and, and and Ryan was right. It's like you know, you need to be able to know what data you need to put in, and and you know, maybe sometimes that's not the case. So some of those common types of things that people need, absolutely, make it easy. Make it easy. Yep, making it as easy, but making it easy is difficult, and mm -hmm. and I think they've pretty much have made it easy. So, well, good luck to both of them. Yeah. So thanks again to Nicole Braddock and Ryan McLeod for joining us. Thank you, guys. Before we go, we wanted to remind listeners to take the time to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and take the time to rate and review us as well. If you have some comments about today's show or suggestions for a future show, you can reach out to us on Twitter at, at GayBauerM or at Glambert. You can call the Geek and Review hotline at 713-487-7270, or you can email us at geekandreviewpodcast.com. And as always, the music you hear is from Jerry David DeSica. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. All right, Marlene, I will talk with you later. Okay, bye-bye.